Father, we do turn our hearts to you now. Lord, we settle our hearts and open our hearts and say, Lord, will you come and speak to us your living word? Lord, we have sung and recognize our need of you this morning. We need to be filled with your spirit. Lord, we need to hear your voice. Without you, Lord, we are bankrupt, Lord. But in you, we have everything. So, Father, we uh, commit this morning to you, our hearts to you, and say, Lord, come. Change us, make us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I just want to read a few verses to start with from uh, Luke's Gospel and uh, chapter 10. If you're taking notes and if you're wanting to read further, I know some of you like to, to read after the meetings and to really get into the scriptures more as well and to really hear what God's saying um, uh, during the day. So if you're reading uh, after the meeting as well, if you, if you read from Luke 10 through, uh, 1 through to 24, I'm just going to read a few verses to you. Uh, so it says this in, uh, in verse 1. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I'm sending you like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. And then just jumping to verse 16. He who listens to you listens to me. He who rejects you rejects me. But he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given authority. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Glory to God. I don't know about you, but those of you who are in uh, small groups, I'm really enjoying the current series that we're teaching, The Extraordinary Life. And the last couple of weeks... uh, We've been uh, talking a little bit about Daniel, haven't we? And uh, even when he was a, uh, a young lad, he dedicated his life to God. He wouldn't compromise uh, his faith uh, at all. And he understood the power of prayer, uh, which was his, his first uh, priority. Now, he was prepared to be unpopular uh, uh, with the, uh, not follow the crowd but when crisis come, who are the people that, uh, that they look to? When people are in crisis, who are they going to turn to? People look to those who are standing on a rock, who are firm and secure in their faith and in their belief, and uh, are not prepared to, to compromise. They look to, them, to the men and women of God. And people notice when you stand firm. And eventually people will turn to you. The key is to be ready and prepared ahead of time. And I remember going back to my uh, youth and 
some of the decisions I made before I was faced with the circumstances. For example, uh, the decision to remain pure. Uh, just a simple decision as a young person, you know, not to have sex before marriage. That was a decision I took well uh, in advance. Prepared, preparing our hearts not to gossip. Preparing our hearts not to, to judge other people. Making these choices, firm choices, before the temptations come. And temptations will come, but we have to be ready for them. Now, as Christians, um, of course, there's uh, total forgiveness, isn't there, for our failings? And don't get me wrong here. You know, this, uh, the gospel agenda, God's agenda, isn't a, a condemnation agenda, is it? It's a salvation agenda. And we all make mistakes. But those who are forgiven much, it says love much. Isn't that quite a a wonderful statement? That even if you and I have failed morally or in whatever way, we've said the wrong things, we've done the wrong things, we've made mistakes, the grace of God, the forgiveness of God, when we truly repent and turn our hearts to him, we're totally washed and cleansed and pure in his sight. So these decisions that we take, we can start taking them now. <laughs> we can start making right decisions now. And then when the temptations come, we're ready. Be prayerful and be right with God and walk with him. I've, I've also been reading uh, the, the, through the book of uh, Daniel uh, recently. And as I've, I've done that, uh, I just have been astonished at... Uh, at all that God said would happen and has happened. Realizing that God is in control. He doesn't leave anything to chance at all. Albert Einstein once said, God doesn't play dice. In other words, he was saying, it's foolish to believe everything just happened by chance. His great mind, I don't know whether it led him to a relationship with Christ or not, I don't know. But it certainly led him to know that everything that we see around us, the universe and creation and you and me, everything, didn't just happen by some cosmic accident. He saw this as a fool's theory. Daniel's, uh, the book of Daniel is one of the most uh, authenticated books in the Bible. Archaeological finds keep on proving its authenticity and uh, the historic events that we read uh, are so uh, clear and and verifiable. Uh, You you can't doubt that God spoke ahead of time that things must happen. Uh, Leaders' names that previously weren't known to anybody and they thought, oh, these are fictitious names. But we know the Bible's true. And so they find, don't they, archaeological finds and say, ooh, the Bible was true after all. This is a reliable book. It's the word of God. And Nebuchadnezzar's dream, which uh, Daniel saw as a teenager, quite incredible really when you read this book and realize just how young he was uh, when he was uh, taken to, uh, to Babylon. 
Uh, he foretold in detail the, uh, the nations that would rise and fall. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar's uh, dream uh, that he interpreted, he, he spoke of the nations, uh, the Babylonian Empire, uh, was the, the head of gold, and then the silver, the chest and the, the arms, um, were the, uh, the, the, the Medes and Persians. And then um, the bronze torso, the, uh, the Greeks, Alexander the Great. Uh, and then the iron legs and the, the iron mixed with clay, we see the Roman Empire. And he foretold that all of these empires would fall. And, and then in the time of uh, the Roman Empire, that a, a kingdom would be established, it would be an eternal kingdom. And... We've moved, if you like, if you read the book of Daniel and you read about these empires that have come and have gone, we can see how things have moved through the course of history to where we are today. As was prayed before, that nothing is by chance. You're not here by chance. We're here in this period of time, this age to fulfill a specific purpose and plan that God has for the church and for you and me individually. We've got to see this. We've got to start understanding the seriousness of this. That we're not here to sort of play games or to live our life for ourselves. We're here because God has a call, a purpose and a plan for this day for you and for me. And Daniel chapter 2, I'm going to read a few verses from Daniel. I'm going to move on to what I've read in, in Luke shortly as well. But let me just read a few, um, a few things uh, first. Daniel chapter 2, verse 44 to 45. It says, In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. Nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end but it itself will endure forever. This is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of the mountain, but not by human hands. A rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold to pieces. The great God has shown the king what will take place in the future. The dream is true, and the interpretation is trustworthy. This is so clear that... It just astonishes me that all that God said would happen has happened and we're living in the day of this eternal kingdom. We're living in a time when this kingdom of God is a present reality, a spiritual kingdom that's not of this world and we enter it by a spiritual birth. It's here and now but not quite. (laughs) We're waiting for the new heaven and the new earth to come but it will come. We have entry to this kingdom. We're transformed by the power of God into a people of this kingdom. But there will be a day when there'll be no trace of any other kingdom whatsoever. As Daniel prophesied, it'll be as dust and blown away. And all that will remain is this eternal kingdom. And this eternal kingdom is a kingdom we can enter now. And many of us have entered this kingdom now. And I'm living, and you're living, many of you are living in the reality of this eternal kingdom. And this should excite us. 
This should change everything. Our vision of life, our hope for the future. We are people of the kingdom of God. Now, as well as interpreting the king's dreams, God also gave visions directly to Daniel. And these dreams, these visions of the future troubled him deeply. And he knew uh, that they were weighty and significant things that God was saying because they spoke of his eternal purposes. And we've also got to take uh, this seriously and not take God lightly. In Daniel 7, it says this in verse 13 and 14. In my vision in the night I looked, and there before me was one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All peoples and nations and men of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will, be, will never be destroyed. In Christ, we've been rescued from a dominion of darkness and brought into, transferred into this wonderful kingdom of God, an eternal kingdom. And Christ has all authority and all power. And we prayed in the prayer meeting this morning. We prayed uh, last week as well. We've been praying for this country and our leaders. We want to see Christ lifted up in our nation. We want to see more and more righteousness and goodness and godliness in this land. It's desperate. There's darkness in this land, in this world. But we are people of a different kingdom, a different future. And we can be salt and we can be light and we can glorify the name of God because we have a different hope, a different future. We don't have to live any longer for the things of this world. He's called us to a better, higher way. And not to a low way. Are we going to walk the highway of God? In verse 18. The saints of the Most High, that's us, will receive the kingdom and will possess it forever. Yes, forever and ever. Do you get the point? <laughs> I don't know how many times do we have to say forever? What does forever even look like? It is incredible. The number of our days in this world is so short, but we have a, an ever and ever in glory. And Daniel spoke of the end times. And you need to know that we're living at a point in history that the Bible describes as the last hour. The hour before the Son of Man comes again on the clouds. And I mention this so that we don't miss the certainty and the seriousness of the times that we're living in today. We are living in a point in history and we are called for the purpose of God. And we mustn't lose this or miss this, folks. You know, as a church, whether it's in our small groups or individual, whatever it is, we need to be encouraging each other with these words to recognize and understand that we're here for the purposes and the calling of God. And uh, Jesus and his apostles also spoke of this time in history warning people not to conform to the pattern of this age. It's so easy to conform to this age. I'm asking God for myself, you know, to break off the chains, the things that are still attaching me too much to the things of this world. I want to break free. I want to be free of, of the things that constrain me and stop me coming into more and more of God. You know, pray for these things. Ask for God to help us in this. 
We need to break free of these things and fully live for the purposes of God. We're exhorted in the scriptures not to fall asleep, not to be a compromising people, but awake and watchful. And as we heard uh, prophetically last week, those standing on a rock who are drawing people out of the uncertain seas of this age, we are those people. We have something so firm, so secure that we stand on. And yet there's so much darkness and uncertainty out there. It's like a dark sea and people are drowning in it and getting overwhelmed by the, the waves. But we are the lighthouse. We're on the rock. And we need to be reaching out and letting people see that there's a better way, a certain way. There is, I believe, an acceleration of ungodliness on a scale I've never, ever seen before. I don't know about you, but it just seems to be speeding up beyond our imagination. We just, again and again, waves and waves of things that we're saying, my goodness, the scale of this is incredible. But this is exactly what we should expect in the last hour in the times before Christ comes. Because Satan is angry. But we have, we read before, a God in heaven. In Christ he has all authority and all power over every kingdom. And we can pray. And I tell you now, prayer is powerful. It's our primary weapon. When we pray, we're pulling out the big guns. We're calling on all of the authority and power of heaven in this day. And don't we need it? Let your light so shine before men that may see your good deeds and glorify your Father who's in heaven. And Jesus came at just the right time in history. God's appointed time. In Romans 5, verse 6, it says, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. God's timing for everyone's life is perfect. And I said before, nothing is left to chance with God. You're here today because God ordained it for you to be here. Jesus came exactly at the right time. And God made sure that we could look back on time and see every prophetic word that's been spoken in the Bible, and encourage ourselves and say, wow, this is what the scriptures say, and this is what has happened, this is what's going to happen, and we're here now to serve God in our generation. And Jesus was in absolutely no doubt about his mission. And in the passage, um, in this passage, just a few uh, verses earlier actually, um, he says... Uh, in so Luke 9, verse 51, says, The time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, and Jesus resolutely set out his face out to Jerusalem. He knew the time and the seasons. And Jesus, if you remember, had just been speaking to Moses and, and Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration, and it says they talked about his departure. I, just every time I hear, hear that word departure, speak, it's like the departure lounge, isn't it? You know, it's... You're waiting for this to happen. You know it's going to happen. And, uh, and so he, he spoke about his departure, knowing where he was going, but knowing the mission and the purpose he had for today. We know where we're going, don't we? I hope you do. If you don't, you can. <laughs> uh, we can make sure of that. Please speak to us if you don't know where you're going yet. 
but we know where we're going. We have a, 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 a fantastic heavenly destiny. And everyone had been marveling at all that Jesus uh, did and said. And he had all authority, all the authority of God. And he now gave 72 of his disciples authority to go out in his name with his power and authority to proclaim the kingdom of God and to overcome all the power of the enemy of the evil one. And shortly before this, before this event happened and he sent out the 72, do you remember that Jesus' disciples were powerless to drive out a tormented, uh, uh, demonized boy? The disciples um, also had attitude problems. Um, we, we read in, in uh, chapter 9, verses 57 to uh, 62, uh, how people were saying, oh, well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'll follow you uh, wherever you go. And Jesus said, well, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of God has nowhere to lay his head. Another man said, uh, uh, to another man, he said, follow me. But, Jesus, uh, but uh, the man replied, at first, let me go and bury my father, and so on. And the disciples argued about who was the greatest as well. People didn't want to count the cost. It's just too much. But I've said this before. Things only cost too much if we don't realize and understand how much they're worth. If we saw this vision of the future and truly believed our inheritance... Is that too much? Is it, is it too much to, to give our lives to the one who has given his life for us? Who came when we didn't deserve it? We're living in a, a day of God's incredible patience. A time in history where we see and understand the mercy of God. We're living in the time of his mercy. But I tell you, this age will close. And for many, it'll be a a dreadful closure. For us, it's a glorious one. But we need to give people this great hope of the future. And as we uh, jump ahead a little bit in Luke's gospel, uh, to the time after his uh, resurrection, his ascension into heaven, Uh, Jesus appears to his disciples on a number of occasions. And he opens their minds. So these uh, disciples who had no power, who had attitude problems, who had all of these things and were confused at at his death. Uh, Jesus comes along and he says, he opened their minds, Luke uh, 24 verse 45, so they could understand the scriptures. And he told them this is what was written. What is written, Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. And for many of us, for many years perhaps, we thought, well, that's interesting. So repentance and forgiveness of sins is going to be preached throughout the world. Well, I wonder who's going to do that. Sometimes it takes a little bit of a while for the, for the penny to drop, that actually that's our job description. <laughs> and then he goes on to say, I'm going to send you what my father promised. Stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. You and I, each of us has been called in weakness, 
powerless to fulfill the Great Commission. You and I need awakening to be filled with the Holy Spirit, transformed and to realize that we are his witnesses in this broken world. It's been said that the church is, is always one generation away from extinction. And we're blessed, aren't we, in this church to have, you look across the church and the, the generations, you know, from the oldest to the youngest. But every generation has to come into a revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not just teaching nice Bible stories, as, as good as they are. We're teaching and want our children and, uh, and every generation to know the truth of the word of God that brings us new birth. We need to be praying for our children to receive the, the new birth, the, uh, to, to come to know a revelation of Jesus Christ. Don't just take for granted that our Bible stories will do that. Pray, seek God, cry out to him for, for our young people, our children. It's a mission field. There's a mission here in our very midst with our young folks, our young youth and children, as well as our own families and people we know beyond this room. How many families, how many people are represented here through your life? How many people do you touch? Does your life uh, come into contact with on a daily basis? If the power of God fell on you and the power of God fell on me, and rivers of living water started to flow through us to the people we already know and the people here in this fellowship. There would be a revival. But the revival starts here. I know God is reviving me. He's revived something in me and quickened something in me. And I believe he has in many others as well. But we need to be praying again and again. Quicken my heart. Fill me, Lord. I need more I need my eyes opening. And God empowers us for this new life. In the book of Acts, it begins where Luke's gospel finishes. And Jesus is teaching before his ascension into uh, to heaven. Uh, they're to wait for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And they were told, you don't need to know about all the times and all the seasons um, uh, uh, concerning the kingdom of God. But what you need right now is the power of the Holy Spirit to be his witnesses to the very end of this age. Don't get wrapped up in all the others. It's, it's fantastic to know the times and the seasons and to see where we are at this point in history. But know this is a time to be filled with the Holy Spirit and God's witnesses in our day. That's what we need to know. <laughs> in Acts 1 verse 8, you will receive the power, the power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Ask, in Luke 10 verse 2, the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest field. What are these workers supposed to be? Filled with God. Born of the Spirit, alive and awake in him. The crisis is not the harvest God is the Lord of the harvest, and it's a plentiful harvest. But there's not a lot of people who are caught, uh, to go out into the harvest. So he says, pray for the harvesters. Pray for us, that we would be these harvesters. You know, I am um, more and more, I'm aware 
of my own weakness and inability. But I tell you what, I'm more and more aware of, of the ability of God. This is the truth. And, and so when Jesus tells us to ask, he's telling us to ask because he knows that we need him. He knows that we need this power and this ability. And, you know, when we go out in weakness uh, and often just a, a phone call or whatever it might be or someone you see, at that moment, cry to God and say, I don't know what I'm going to say. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do. But God does. He will give you a word. He'll give you a vision. He'll, he'll inspire you. He'll remind you of things written in his scriptures. He'll give you love and compassion, whatever is needed. The resources of heaven are there for every one of us when we ask him. But we go without that. <laughs> we go in need of it, in, in, in destitute without, without him. He says, ask, beseech the Lord for the workers in the working uh, to go out. Prayer was the first instruction that Jesus gave these 72. Pray for the laborers. I don't believe we're going to enter eternity saying, if only I'd prayed a little bit less. When we see all of heaven's resources, when we see the heavenly realities and all that is at our disposal today, when we're there and see it, I think we're going to say, why didn't I ask more? Why didn't I trust more? Why didn't I cry out for his help in, in these times? Because the resources of heaven are there for us. This is a reality, folks. And we need more and more to connect with this truth, to see the heavenly realities and to pray in the knowledge that God will hear our prayers and answer us from heaven. D.L. Moody said, If this world is going to be reached, I'm convinced that it must be done by men and women of average talent. God calls every one of us in our weakness. And he goes out of his way, I believe, at times to show us how weak we are. Situations that, uh, that we just bring us back down to earth with a bump sometimes, don't they? You think, oh, yeah. Okay, Lord, now I know. You know, pray for opportunities to share your faith. Ask. Ask thee for this heavenly reality. Lord of heaven and earth, open up opportunities for me to share my faith with others. To share this good news with uh, that uh, spouse that has uh, perhaps been so hard for so many years, that their heart might be turned to pray for those work colleagues that you found it so difficult to, uh, to speak to and to talk to about things, for your neighbours, for your relatives, for your family. Ask God for those opportunities. Pray, and I believe he will give you these opportunities. Now, if you've lost the fire in your belly, pray for an awakening once again. If you feel you've lost your way, wondering what next in God Pray that God will again direct you. There's an account in 2 Kings that helps us to understand that there are times when you need to go back to the point where you lost something of the power and the anointing of God. And Holy Spirit often, I don't know whether you found this, uh, is the, the hidden person of the Trinity. 
And when we uh, perhaps are walking away from God, he often just withdraws. And we wonder why there's a dryness and why there isn't this flow of the Holy Spirit. And he's gently withdrawn. You know, if, if God kept speaking to us when our hearts were hard, I, I just think he's too gracious and good to do that. We would be judged more severely, wouldn't we, if he kept on speaking to us when we were hard and saying no to God. So he withdraws. He cares for us. He loves us. He wants the best for us. But when we start to obey and listen to his voice, even just in little things, so it starts to rise up again. And the, the wells start to fill and the rivers start to flow and God's spirit starts to fill us and refresh us once again. Now in this account in 2 Kings chapter 6, I'm not going to read this to you, but I'll just speak from it, verses 1 to 7. The prophets had decided to set, out, uh, set about a building project and uh, Elijah was uh, God's representative, perhaps the most prominent of the prophet, uh, prophets in that particular day. And so they wanted his presence as they uh, went about this task uh, of building uh, a house for, uh, for God, uh, for the people of God. And however, as they set out to work, uh, one of the prophets swings his axe and the axe head flies off um, the, the axe handle and it uh, sinks to, uh, in the mud at the bottom of the river. And uh, there was no way to retrieve it and the prophet's concern was that the axe head was borrowed and uh, the axe is now rendered totally useless and can, uh, just ineffective to, to do the work that uh, God would have done. And so this distressed prophet cries out, Oh my Lord, it was borrowed. And ministry is lent to us. We are, uh, the Holy Spirit isn't our possession. He's not something that we use. We don't use the Holy Spirit. He decides if he wants to use us. Uh, He is the person who lends us his help for the purpose of God. And any gifting that we received is loaned to us even for a season. So we're not using the Holy Spirit. We're yielding ourselves to God and allowing the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us, aren't we? And we steward any anointing that we might have in God by our willingness to yield to his will. Jesus determined only to do the Father's will. And therefore it says he was given the Spirit without limit. In desperation, this prophet calls out to God's representative, Elijah, and says, and Elijah asks him, well, where did it fall? So the man returned to where he had lost the axe head and showed Elijah the spot. And what happened next was a miraculous recovery. The iron was made to float, and the man was instructed to go out and to retrieve the axe head from the top of the water. God made the iron float. The impossible happened. And we need to cry out and admit our loss. When and where did, we, did you lose your cutting edge? You need to respond to the prompting of the Holy Spirit who might ask you to recall those places where you've lost it. Perhaps you're unsure what's happened over a period of time and you need Holy Spirit to remind you, where's the place that I neglected, where I wasn't a good steward of the Holy Spirit in my life? He might show you willful compromise. 
And you can go right to the, the spot and confess your disobedience to God and allow him to restore you again. You might have lost it as a result of discouragement, of criticism, or due to some the spiritual climate that you allowed yourself to live in. Perhaps your motives were spoiled by pride, greed, or some other impure motive. Maybe you've nursed wounds and allowed a root of bitterness or resentment to grow in your heart. Maybe you've been drawn away by other distractions. You've drifted away. Let the Holy Spirit show you what it is. Let the Holy Spirit show you these places that you've just perhaps allowed um, him to withdraw. And anyway, the prophet throws in a dead stick into the water. And you might think, how ridiculous. What good could that possibly do? And you know, the foolishness of the cross is like this, isn't it? He gave himself. And we need to return to the cross. The end of self, we must come to Christ and die to self, humble ourselves before God and pray that he revive us once again. In Acts 3 verse 19, it says, Repent and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away and times of refreshing might come from the Lord. Repentance, turning away from sin and going back to God. What does it lead to? Times of refreshing will come. In Chronicles 6, 2 Chronicles 6, 26, it says, The heavens were shut up and there was no rain because your people have sinned against you. In the time of Elijah, God closed up the heavens for three and a half years because of of Israel's willful sin and disobedience to God. I heard a story about a a woman who went out for prayer to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And she'd been prayed for a number of times and nothing had happened. And then the person praying for her said to her, is there something that you know that might be stopping it? And she said, yes, but I'm not telling you. And at that point, she she left the meeting. She walked out of the church, got into her car, drove a few miles up the road, parked her car up. She went into the place that she had previously worked, walked into the manager's office, took out a £10 note and gave it to her former manager and said, I owe this to you. Um, She said, in a moment of, of weakness... I worked, I was working here 10 years ago. In a moment of, of weakness, she said, I was walking out of the shop and I saw dangling off her shelf a necklace. So I surreptitiously put it in my pocket and walked out. And God had brought her back to that moment and reminded her of this compromise that she had made. And the, the, the manager said to her, oh, she said it's, been, he said, it's been so long. He said, don't worry about it. And the woman turned around to him and says, no, I am worried about it. It really matters to me. It's stopping me being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, I can imagine the manager's jaw just dropping at that moment in time. And I'm sure he must have thought maybe even of the compromises he had made in his own life. The times he had either cheated or done dodgy deals or whatever it might have been. So she left the manager there with his jaw hitting the desk, got back in a car, started the engine and at that very moment she was filled with the Holy Spirit. She was filled with joy and the the heavenly language poured out of her 
and she was just thrilled. So she drove back to the meeting and went to the front and said, it's happened, and, and told the story. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the forgiveness of sins, that you might receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you, your children, for all who are far off, for all of whom the Lord our God will call. This is a gift for you. And if you have been filled with the Holy Spirit and you've allowed the Holy Spirit to dry up in your experience, go back to the place and ask God, is there something I've done in, to compromise the Holy Spirit? Do I need to repent and turn again to God and get my life right with him? Do I need again to cry out for the filling of the Holy Spirit to be his witness today in this age? I've run out of time. But I tell you what, I believe God is doing a work in hearts even now. And if you, we're coming to the end, but I tell you, we'll have tea and coffee. And perhaps uh, if you really want uh, to get right with God again, if there's something that God's spoken to in, in your heart uh, this morning, and you want prayer, then I'm happy to pray with you. And there's others that will pray with you too. But if Otherwise, you want to go home and get on your knees. And I say, get on your knees and get before God and turn your heart to God and cry out to him. This is how I received the baptism in the Holy Spirit when I was just alone with God and just worshipping him and turning my heart to him. And he filled me with the Holy Spirit and that heavenly language just flowed. God is real. We need the Holy Spirit. We need his power in this day. Because we have a lost and dying world. So I urge you, if you need to get right with God, and you need to be filled, then please get your heart right with God even this day. Let's pray and let's uh, have some refreshments together. Uh, but please let this be a message that doesn't just drift out of your head, uh, nice at the time, but allow the Holy Spirit just to keep on prompting you and to speak into your heart in this day. So Father... I thank you, Lord, uh, that it is for such a time as this, Lord, that you've called each one of us. And we come to you in weakness with our frailties, Lord, and we say we need you, and we need your spirit. We long for a fresh anointing and baptism in your spirit. And we acknowledge, Lord, there are times where we have compromised. There are times where we have turned away, perhaps. But, Lord, let this be a day. Let this be a day of turning, Father. Let this be a day of refreshing. Let this be a day, Lord, where the workers are sent out once again into the harvest field, filled, alive, refreshed, anointed, powerful in you. Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.